please be seated. And Jeff is going to come and I'm going to pray for Jeff before he begins to speak. So let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we ask that you would speak through Jeff. Lord, he's taken the time to put this message together, believing that this is what you want to say to us. Lord, help us to receive the message, to hear it and to go forth and act it out. But Lord, we just commit him to you now and ask you to bless him as he blesses us. Amen. Good morning. All right. I'm feeling, <coughs> excuse me, just feeling a little bit torn at the moment because with some of those songs that we were singing today and, and what Cheryl was talking about, I kind of feel like I could ditch my whole message and just speak a little bit from what was, so I'm really not sure what to do. One of the things that happens, I think, sometimes is that we can just assume that everybody who comes in our church doors are saved. Sometimes what we can do is we can just assume that people who come into our doors know Jesus and we kind of just think, oh, well, this is just how it is. But you know what? We never really know, do we? We never really know who walks in the door and doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And, and sometimes our church talk kind of, I don't know, does it, is it is as welcoming as it could be to church people. And, and that's kind of where I'm a bit torn this morning. One of the things that Cheryl said was about hovering and that's really nice Cheryl I wasn't going to talk about that but it, but it kind of lines up well with what I've been talking about I love the Bible it's an incredible book I have to look at the time because if I deviate I'll, I'll go too long but maybe that's okay today I love the Bible it's, it's a beautiful book I remember the first time I kind of put the Bible in my hands or even saw the thing I thought oh, this is a weird thing it's just it's just this thing that people have made up and it's kind of like they've just jammed all this stuff together to make up this phony story that somehow they want us to believe in. But you know what? I came to know Jesus. I came face to face with this person that I kind of disbelieved and even tried to push off to the side of some phony dude that, that, that was just a crutch for people to try and kind of cling to that they might find some sort of peace in their lives from and, and and then I met Jesus and this thing became not just a dodgy old book but an amazing message of life and I just couldn't get enough of it into me at times I just wanted to take this book and consume it because just reading the pages in it wasn't enough. I wanted to take it inside. That's the amazing transforming power of Jesus in a person's life. He can take someone from brokenness and loneliness, someone who thinks that life has no purpose and no value, uh, uh, people who, who feel disconnected from the world, who have no feeling that they've got any capacity to contribute or give of themselves into this life that they've been so blessed to have. These are the sorts of people that can sometimes walk into our churches. But 
this thing here speaks words of life. That's amazing. And what I find in my Bible is that right from the very, very beginning, God sets this perfect pattern, an amazing pattern for us to follow and live by. And when we're talking about brokenness, when we're talking about the brokenness of lives, the hopelessness, uh, what is destroyed, what is broken, disconnected, what seems to have no purpose, no value, no join, no connection, God transforms. And when we see these very first words in the Bible, look what it says. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless. It had at that moment no purpose. It had no shape. It had no connection. It was formless and empty and full of darkness. That's like our world, isn't it? It's like this world that we live in. It's like this world that is all around us. It's like the world that we exist in. If we don't know Jesus, that's all we see is brokenness, formlessness, emptiness and darkness. But then, listen to this. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering. And you get that sense that he wasn't in a hurry? He's about to do something really, really magnificent, but he wasn't in a hurry. He was about to make chaos and darkness into unity and glorious light. Now, some of you have met Jesus and his light now shines in you and from you, but some of you might not have. But I tell you what, today he wants to meet you. He wants to meet you right where you're at, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your struggles, in the middle of the emptiness and the darkness. And it might not be you, and it might be somebody out there that you are going to speak to this week who needs to know the power and the love of Jesus who transforms life from darkness to light, from emptiness to overflowing fullness. disconnection to unity with him and with this amazing body of Christ the church and he's hovering on your life and he's waiting the spirit of God is hovering and he wants to take hold of you and he wants to take hold of your heart and he wants to crumble at that old heart of stone and he wants to put in you a heart of flesh that is ready and willing to drink in the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the love of God and the compassion of God and the kindness of God and the grace and the mercy and the love of God into you and into this world that we live in. The Spirit of God just hovering, waiting, waiting to that moment that very moment when the right word is spoken, the word of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, spoken in love and gentleness and respect and power, that it might transform your life. The message of Jesus set forth from the very 
first words in the scriptures and it's the same story all the way through, through 66 different books, over 40 different authors with the very same message over 1,600 years of writing it. The same message by people who had never met each other bringing the same wonderful, life-changing, transforming, empowering, life-giving message of Jesus. And there is a world of hurt out there and they need this message and they need it today. I want to talk to you just about a couple of experiences that I had through the week. I did, just before I want to talk about that, I just want to talk about that song, I Surrender All. And it's so true, Cheryl. We can say these things. But sometimes, sometimes it feels like we just can't get there. We, we do, we surrender, we give ourselves, we, we, we pour it out before the Lord. Lord, I want you to take this broken me and I'll, I'll, I surrender it to you. And moments, moments pass and we're taking up our own lives and we're doing our own thing again. And sometimes what, can, what that can do is it can drive us into this place of despair and it can, it can make us feel guilty and separated from God. This intimacy that he wants us to have with him can be stripped away. But that's not how he wants us to live. He wants us to live as overcomers, as victors in Jesus. He wants us to live in the power of his resurrection. And he gives us this incredible thing called repentance. So that when we feel this separation from God because of the things we've done or we haven't done. He gives us this gift of repentance that we can come to him and assume the position on our knees and repent before him. To come to him and say, God, you know what I've done and I'm probably going to do it again but I thank you for repentance that through it I can come to you and find intimacy and peace again. No guilt, no shame. It all set on fire. It's gone. I was at school camp this week. Uh, I'm a school chaplain for those people who don't know. For two days a week I'm a school chaplain uh, and for the remainder of the time I'm the pastor out at Lakeside Baptist Church. And, um, And I was at this school camp of year fives and we were there with three other teachers, well, three others that went, or two teachers and a a police officer who actually went down down to uh, the camp. There were other teachers at at the uh, environmental camp as well. But what would happen is that we were all, (coughs) all gathered around and we were all about to eat and I just... Because of now who I am in Jesus, I just wanted to give thanks for the food. Because that's who I am now. I'm, I'm a person who says, God, you've done so much for me. You've, you've, you've opened the way to do great things in my life and you want to do great things in this world. I'm a new person and I speak differently and I do things differently and I just wanted to give thanks to him for this incredible food that was given for us and, and, and these incredible grade five kids and the teachers who were there, but they don't know Jesus. And I couldn't say it. I could say it here, but I couldn't say it for all of them. And we were gathered together one night after the kids had gone into their units, definitely not asleep. 
But they'd gone into their, their little cabins and here we are, there's just the three, three others and myself. You know, and I just so wanted to say, wow, is this amazing? We've got kids here. Let's pray together. Let's just pray over this camp. Let's just pray that the Spirit of God will do enormously wonderful things. But it wasn't the place because these people don't know Jesus. You know what that did? It made my heart ache. I was one, maybe two Christian people in that whole group out of 25, 30 people. There is a big world out there that doesn't know Jesus. And we have a big story to tell that world out there. It's a huge story. It's the hugest story of the whole world. Who cares about a queen dying in comparison to this story? Who cares about a new king that comes and sits on a throne in England compared to this story? It doesn't transform lives like this story, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. But what was amazing? What was amazing is that in my cabin on the first night, it was chaotic, as it usually obviously is on the first night. But the next night, one of the, on the first night, one of those boys said, uh, there, was a, there was just talk, and one of them said to this other little boy, what school did you go to before you came to this one? And he goes, oh, I hate it when people ask this question. I used to go to such and such a Catholic school, I can't remember. And there's religion in everything. There's religion in mass and there's religion in this and there's religion in that. And I think, what a shame. What a shame, first of all, that what he wasn't being taught was life and love and relationship, but just religion. But second of all, that was his response. But what was amazing is that the next night, one of those boys, we had our lights off in the cabin, and we had torches, a couple of just torches set up in the corners and it kind of gently glowed and filled the room up with this amazing light. And one of the boys, it's amazing, isn't it, when the lights are down, how much courage we can get to say the things that sometimes are on our hearts. And this young fellow said, I want you all to answer this. Grade five boy says, I want you all to answer this question. Would it be better to die young or to live for a long time and see lots of your people that you love die? That was an amazing question. And I just said, God, I can't let this gospel opportunity go past. I'm a school chaplain. I can't say you need to believe in Jesus, but I can own and ground my faith. I can say this is what I believe. And so what happened is that I encouraged these boys each to answer that question. And then I went out to my room and I picked up my Bible. I said, you've been walking through my room. You've seen my Bible on my... First of all, I said, what is it? They said, oh, it's the Holy Bible. And I said, you've seen it on my bed. I want to talk to you about the Holy Bible. And I was able to talk to them about the hope that now I have in Jesus. I was able to say to them, you know what? I don't care if I die. Even right now, I don't care if I die because I know for certain where I will be because of in whom I believe. And I don't care if I live 
for another 80 years and see lots and lots of people around me whom I love die because I know that God has purpose in it all. Nothing in this life is without purpose. And these young people, they have not heard this story before. And I was able to tell them the gospel and how it impacted my life. A Holy Spirit inspired moment to preach Jesus into five, five young boys' lives. And while I was telling them this, it took six or seven or eight minutes, I don't know how long it was, but they were quiet as just listening, not even a fidget because the good news does that to people. Now right at the end of that, I, I, I told them the, the fullness of the gospel and I don't need to go into that just at the moment, but right at the end of that there were two boys in there who said, you know what? I do believe in God. Right there in that place, in front of three others of their friends, right there in that place where they have now the capacity for these three other boys to go out and tell all their mates, these two kids believe in Jesus, but they said it. Do we? Do we have that courage? I said, I trust Jesus. I believe in God. I trust God. What a confession. Now, I'm not sure exactly what it is that they believe about Jesus, but they were bold enough to say it. I now have an opportunity to speak to them at school about Jesus because they've confessed a belief in him. A Holy Spirit-inspired moment. I was praying and praying that this might happen and I was thinking to myself, it's not going to happen. Ye of little faith. God brought it around. God had a message for five little boys and I have no idea what he's going to do with that. But they heard that life has meaning. They heard that life has purpose. They heard that they can live on purpose and they can live with power and that God can take a broken person who resisted everything to do with Jesus and spoke ill of the holy word of God and who, who is now transformed by the gospel message and the power of the spirit of God into somebody who just can't get enough of this thing and just wants to eat it. They heard that story and I don't know what God will do with that. But I know he won't waste it. Maybe a Billy Graham is born. Who knows? The Spirit of God is hovering. He's hovering over so many broken lives who need to hear the gospel. And we don't know those ones, do we? We don't know the ones that God is preparing the hearts for. We don't know them. No one can come to the Father but who he draws. We don't know who those people are and we're not even told that we need to go and investigate who they are. We're to preach the gospel to the whole world. Some people are going to accept it because God has empowered their heart. The Spirit of God has been hovering on their heart 
and there are going to be people who will resist it. But that's not our concern. We should preach it with compassion and love and the rest is up to the Holy Spirit. But for those who stand up and pay attention, we then are called to bring them to discipleship. We are called to make disciples of them. I want to recommend to you today, I encourage you, the church is not the place for for you. You don't speak to somebody about Jesus and say, just come to church. No, if you speak to somebody and God has given you that blessed opportunity to get a conversation with somebody who's willing to engage, you become the disciple. It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's yours. The Spirit of God has been working on you for that time. He has brought you that opportunity and now he says, do what I've asked you to do. Be a disciple. Make disciples. That's not my message this morning. But all the same, I believe that's what God had me have this day. I, I actually was going to speak on the Holy Spirit today and I do want to just read this passage of Scripture. We've got time. You've got another half an hour? No. I see somebody laugh. I'm, I'm serious. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Just think about this. I, I'm, I, we've, my message was to be on the Holy Spirit and we've already spoken about him amazingly. He is awesome. But sometimes I think we just don't give him enough airplay in our lives. Sometimes I just don't think that when we are looking into the scriptures, I don't think we see the Holy Spirit's work as much as we ought to. And I'm going to read this passage to you now. We're going to open up to Acts chapter... I'm not going to do the slide. Acts chapter 13. If you want to open up your Bibles there, or read it later. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 12. And I want you to listen for the Holy Spirit. Now, when I first started hearing about the Holy Spirit, it was at an Alpha course. And I'm going, Holy Spirit, what is this crazy life? Spirit, I kind of thought it was a bit hocusy post, a bit mystical, a bit Harry Potterish, you know. It's a bit. But now I know, I can't even be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. I can't be transformed without the Holy Spirit. I can't enter into the presence of Almighty God without being made new by the Holy Spirit. Let's read this passage, chapter thirteen of Acts. Listening for the Holy Spirit. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Menaean, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them 
as their helper. They travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. got to love that, don't you? No, you don't, actually. Bar-Jesus, what an imposter. Bar-Jesus, son of Bar-Jesus. Like he's, he's a phony Jesus. The devil is sometimes really, really confronting with his forgery and sometimes he's very, very subtle. He was really confronting here. The false prophet named by Jesus who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that was his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. How many times has the Holy Spirit mentioned? Do you remember? Twice. Only twice was the Holy Spirit mentioned in that passage. But he is in there in fullness. He is in there in fullness. What we know is when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't just come and take up a little spot in our heart and that's all there is to it. When he comes in, he comes in with amazing gifts and each person who has the Spirit of God living in his heart has at least a spiritual gift, if not more. And those, those spiritual gifts that we hear is, hear is prophecy and teaching. But what we see here is all this church, we don't know if there was just those five people that, were, that are mentioned there or whether it was actually a church service and they were all praying and all fasting. We're not entirely sure, we're not told. But even if it was the whole church, there was teaching, there was teachers and there was prophets. But they were there because of the gift of faith that was given them. They were there because of the gift of faith that was given them. And the Spirit comes when He comes. He doesn't just come with His spiritual gifts like prophecy and teaching and faith. And He also comes with spiritual disciplines like fasting and prayer and worship. These amazing things that are given to us by the Spirit who now takes up residence in us. We are not like we used to be we were dead and empty, dead in our trespasses, empty, separated from God. But now we are filled with so much power, so much blessing, so much capacity to do amazing things for God in His kingdom. All of this happens because we have believed the incredible gospel. Jesus. 
the good news of Jesus. The second half of this passage goes on to actually explain the gospel. And I, I want to give it a go right now because I, I just feel as though we need to hear the gospel this morning. You see what the Bible tells me, right? Is that the world was one time so good, so perfect, and God saw there was good. And when God says something is good, there is nothing better. It's good. But we know it happened, don't we? Sin entered into the world. It got broken. One man's sin broke everything. The ramifications of one man's sin entering into the world broke everything. It says the whole of creation groans. But God didn't wipe his hands of us, did he? Right in those very first few chapters of the gospel, we, the, the, the Genesis, we, we see that God had a plan. He says, and the seed, let me read it so I don't get it wrong. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He this offspring of the woman will crush your head and all you have the capacity to do is to strike his heel. God set right there in place the promise that he was going to deal with the devil. And that's the story of the gospel, isn't it? It's all the way through God drawing broken people back to himself because he loves them. There is such love from God that he just can't contain it. It flows over from him constantly, all the time. And even while we were repulsive in his nostrils, he still says, I love you enough that I will even send my son, my one and only son, my son that who is always with me. Now I give him into this evil world for him to come down and be tainted by the sin, the sin that touched around him and pressed all around him. He was tempted in every way and yet still he did not sin. The only man in all the world to resist all the temptations of the devil, the only man who could stand in the place of fallen man and say, Father, put on me the punishment that they deserve. Willingly accept the punishment that they deserve. And on the cross, crucified for our sins, so that he might open up a way for us to come to him. He nailed our sins there and he cried out from that cross, It is finished, paid in full. For broken people like me, broken people like you and for broken people out there in the world. And he gives us this gift of faith to believe that good news story so that whoever might believe in him might receive forgiveness of sins. No more condemnation. Freedom the capacity to be overcomers, forgiven now with the promise of eternal life. But 
not only, but now to live a life on purpose. A life overflowing with the same love that overflowed into us, into this broken world. And Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a comforter, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever till that day he comes back because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back for his own. And then once he has his own, he will judge the world. All those who have rejected the good news will be, will be judged and find themselves in eternal punishment separated from God, even though their eyes have beheld him. And the thing about that, when I think about that, if if I was one of those broken people who saw Jesus face to face at that time, I go, it's real, it's real, it's all true. And now I have seen it, but now it's too late. There is no more mercy for me. And forever and ever and ever, I will miss the one my eyes have beheld. What a horrible thing. But we don't have to be like that, do we? We can receive the grace and the favour of God right now. Today is the day of salvation. And be set free, receiving the promises of eternal life in paradise with the first and only true and perfect and righteous King of all the universe. That's the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I'm here to talk with you after the service. Don't miss a chance. If God is talking to your heart today, don't miss a chance. Don't miss a chance. You might not get another one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much. Thank you so much for your love. It's hard to understand at times how you could love somebody like me. Even now, though your spirit lives in me, I I do so many things wrong. But you love me more than I can even comprehend. What wonderful good news it is for me, Lord. And what good news it is, what wonderful good news it is for my brothers and sisters who know Jesus, but even more so, what wonderful good news it is for the whole world. Father, thank you that we have, we, many, most of us in this place know you because you spoke to us, you drew us, you had that person in our lives to preach the good news to us. My prayer, Father, is that you burden us with such a desire to speak the good news into the darkness. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.